When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, Jesus did a lot of teaching during his lifetime. And uh, basically, when we read the New Testament, we're reading about the very encouraging and uh, stimulating and uh, edifying teaching by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the midst of all of this, though, in the midst of the encouragement and the encouraging words, Jesus makes some warnings. He's warned them several other times before, but it just seems sort of out of place when you're talking about what Jesus is telling us and and how he's comforting us, how he's showing us the Father. When he came down from heaven, he came down for the purpose of opening the gates of the kingdom of heaven and he came to introduce us to his father and so in the midst of all of that in the midst of all that comforting talk in the in the midst of him guiding us and leading us to green pastures and and beside still waters letting us lie down and so forth and, and taking our burdens upon himself he said watch out beware now that seems sort of incongruous to me that that he would he would make that that statement. Here you're going along, and he's he's saying, "I'm I'm am coming to give you life, and that more abundantly. I'm I'm coming to show you the sunshine of heaven. I'm coming to to help you understand that you can put all your burdens on me, cast all your burdens on me, for my my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you you can you can find peace in me, but watch out, be careful." That's what he's telling them here. Watch yourself. Guard against the, the Pharisees and the scribes against their doctrine. Be careful because there's some danger in the life that I'm asking you to lead. Now, we do know that he mentioned at least on four different occasions to his select few that he was in trouble himself, that he was going to be beaten, taken into arrest, by, by the uh, Gentiles, that he was going to be scourged and that he was going to be crucified. And yet they didn't really, that didn't really seem to sink in very much. And I'm not sure that whether these statements that he's making here actually sunk in. But he, he said it on several different occasions. He said, and, and this is the thing that, that troubles me right now in my own life, we have such a wonderful life in Jesus. And so much peace and happiness and goodness. And so many, so many blessings flow upon us in Jesus Christ. And yet he said, be careful, watch out. Be on your guard. Don't let your guard down. You know, that's, that's the time when basically when, when, when people are 
more susceptible to being taken advantage of is when they're comfortable. And he's saying, be be careful. Don't get too comfortable because things can go wrong. They can go wrong very quickly. Matthew 7, verse 15, he said, Beware, be on your guard against false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Matthew ten seventeen, he said, Beware of men. They will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And in Luke chapter 20, verse 46 and 47, he says, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the high seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feast. They devour widows' houses and for show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. Now these are cautions, warning against perils that are ahead. Now we're familiar, you're familiar with, and I'm familiar with, words of caution spoken in everyday life. We're familiar with them. Danger, the road out ahead, detour ahead. We're familiar with those, aren't we? When we're driving our automobiles, when we're, when we're uh, walking in certain areas and in certain dark places, somebody will say, now be very careful when you go into that area. Be very careful because there's danger there. Posted signs tell us about perils of nature and our environment. In some states, you have to watch out for rattlesnakes. Be careful when you stop. If you're in a, on an automobile and you stop on the roadside into a rest area, sometimes you'll see a, a sign that says, be careful of rattlesnakes. Sometimes, if you're down in Florida and Louisiana and places like that, they'll warn you to be, be careful of alligators. Now, an alligator is, is a native to the, this area. Crocodiles are native to the other areas, but not in this country. But alligators are native to those areas, and, and uh, we're, we have signs posted, be careful. And sometimes when you're on a, let's say you're on a trail and you're on a hike, you'll see a sign posted saying, be careful of certain types of bushes. Sumac, poison sumac or poison ivy or whatever it may be, be careful of that. Be careful of quicksand. And so you'll see all sorts of warning signs. And we're familiar with them. We don't let those signs disturb us, do we? And sometimes we ignore the signs. And when we ignore the signs, we pay the penalty. We become too comfortable in our environment. And we go ahead and and do what we want to do regardless of the perils that are around us. Concerned citizens will tell us of the dangers of our society. You'll be warned oftentimes about nature. You'll be warned about, for instance, the coming of a hurricane or the coming of a tornado or maybe the prospect of an earthquake. Anyway, concerned citizens will tell us when there's danger afoot and we need to take some precautions. Be careful. Now, that doesn't generally disrupt us in our everyday life, but it can make us more aware of our environment and aware that things can go wrong, and they can go terribly wrong for us. As young parents, and as grandparents, and as neighbors, we tell our children on Halloween, which is coming up rapidly, 
Be careful of strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. And sometimes, even, people will take their children, if they're going to go trick-or-treating, they'll take their children to a safe neighborhood. And they'll warn the children to be careful of the night. Have fun. Watch it. Have fun, but be careful. And when we send our children as young parents, send our children off to school, we'll tell them, don't take candy from a stranger. Don't talk to strangers. Don't get in the car with strangers. Don't go with strangers. Why? Have fun. Enjoy your, your life. Go to school. Enjoy your classmates. But be careful. Be careful. There's some people that prey on the innocent, obviously, and especially on those who seek to follow the Lord. Now, here's where we're, we're getting into this caution concerning you. Now, there are people who will take advantage of you because they know that you have an open heart, that you have an innocent feeling about yourself because you've trusted in the Lord. And because you think that because you trust in the Lord, people that claim to trust in the Lord, feel the same way you do about them, and you're, they're not a danger to you. Other people are not a danger. Now, Jesus was talking about the religious leaders of his day, of all people. And he's saying, be careful what these men tell you. Beware. Why? Because there's false prophets afoot. Because they're those who want to take advantage of you. Believers trust others who seem to be good people. Because you believe in Jesus Christ and somebody else says, I believe in Jesus Christ, we tend to trust each other. We tend to think we're in a safe environment. Everything's okay. And we're enjoying that safe environment. And I do. I enjoy the company of fellow believers. And I'm sure you do too. We enjoy that, and we get to the point where we feel like, okay, nothing can go wrong. Everybody feels the same way I do. Everybody trusts the Lord, and everybody is trustworthy in the Lord. And yet Jesus said, beware of false prophets. They come unto you in sheep's clothing. They come looking like a sheep. Wow. False prophets come looking like sheep. But inwardly they are reverend wolves. Now that's what we read in Matthew 7.15. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, Jesus said, There shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, inasmuch as if it were possible, they shall de- deceive the very elect. If it's possible, you can be deceived. That's what Jesus was warning about. He said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. You know what leaven is? It's yeast. Yeast, basically. It's what makes the bread rise. And what he's saying is that the Pharisees will get into the doctrine and will contaminate the doctrine and you can be deceived by virtue of their false teaching. In Mark chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed lest any man deceive you. Now notice, very, very obvious statement. Many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Okay. Modern and ancient scammers 
and predators routinely attempt to fleece the flock. They're always those who are trying to take advantage of innocent. People that are wary and people that are predators do not prey upon other predators. They prey upon the innocent, upon the gullible, upon those who are willing to give of their lives and, and give you the benefit of the doubt. Now, believers are thought to be gullible and trusting people, and therefore, predators will prey on them. We call these individuals religious con artists. They're in it for the glory. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the prestige. They may look like a sheep among the sheep, but they are ravening wolves. They're there to take advantage of you. And in order to do that, they have to, they have to promote whatever they're, they're uh, going to be advantaged by. <clears throat> now, we're just talking about, at this point, we're talking about some mundane things. We're talking about the fact that there are those who will come in among the flock in order to gain their financial resources. They want to come and shop among the church, shop in the church. Make the church their marketplace. That's what Second Peter chapter 2 at verse 3 says. They come to make merchandise of you. And that means to shop among you. Come to shop among you. So if they think you will trust them more than you would just an ordinary salesman, they'll come to sell you their wares. They'll shop among the flock. They'll shop among the innocent because they have an advantage over you. They believe that you believe that they're honest because you're honest. Because you have it in your mind that everyone who is a Christian is honest. Well, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's some that are not honest. They're predators, and that's what, Pe that's what Peter said. There, there's a, something that's gone on. Well, we know this happens when, when you see the televangelists and so forth, and the big churches where the with the fellows always taking up collections somehow, and, and they're always making a lot of money and always living high, wearing a lot of jewelry and, and expensive watches and expensive cars and expensive homes. Well, they're getting their money from the flock, basically. They're conning. They're, they're shopping among people that innocently believe that they are honest in what they're doing. And that's not bad for you to be innocent and for you to be trusting. But it does put you in a, in a position of being susceptible to a scam. Susceptible to someone who's selling something to you that is not legitimate. Now, there's a, there's a term now that's called, and you may have seen it in recent years, it's called affinity selling. Affinity selling. Which means, for instance, that a church will invite someone in as a speaker who's going to tell you how to get rich. Okay. Now you're going to believe him, and you're going to believe in all the things that he wants to tell you, or she wants to tell you, about how they're going to show you how to market your money and make money on it. And they make a lot of money on your gullibility, but that's called affinity. Affinity selling. So they promote their money schemes. Billions of dollars are invested and lost through such ploys. From a, practical, from a practical perspective, we need to beware of that activity. 
That's why, of course, we don't invite individuals like that into this arena and endorse them and say, you need to listen to their money-making schemes because they've made money and they'll help you make money. Well, that's not our our business. Our business is help you go to heaven, help you learn to be a better citizen in the kingdom of God. That's what a, a false doctrine can do this. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Jesus was more concerned about the truth and your soul than he was your pocketbook. But still, but still, you have to be concerned about the fact that you can be deceived by someone that you place confidence in that you should not be placing confidence in. That doesn't mean that you walk around suspicious of everyone who tells you anything. But when somebody is wanting to sell you something, you need to be just as just as wary of that individual as a Christian as you would a used car dealer if somebody's trying to get in your wallet. Okay. Now, Jesus was not that concerned about your wallet, but he was concerned about your, your soul. And that's what we want to talk about. As a matter of fact, he said in Matthew chapter 10, 28, he said, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Yet rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Now that's what a false doctrine can do. It can destroy your soul. Hebrews chapter 13 at verse 9 says, Be not carried away with divers and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them which have been occupied thereof. Now, predators who shop among you, as Peter warned, those who shop for your dollars, are trying to steal your chickens and your eggs that are produced by your chickens. That's what they're trying to steal. A false teacher is trying to steal your soul and your future. There's a difference. You can probably give up your chickens, but don't give up your soul. The apostles issued some same dire warnings against false teachers bringing foreign doctrines. Now, I'm just mentioning this because it is a, it is a danger. It's a real danger that we can be sold a bill of goods that will not only take our dollars, we know that can happen, but can take our everlasting life, our soul salvation. That's the danger. Galatians 1, verse 6 through 9 says, I marvel, Paul said. I, it just amazes me that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So he said, I'm amazed that you fell for it. You fell for it. Now, why did they fall for it? Because someone had come in among them that they had confidence in that they thought this person certainly will not lead me astray. And they listened to that doctrine because of, not because of the doctrine, but because of the person who was teaching that doctrine. Okay? 2 John 1, 9 through 11. John said, Whosoever transgresses and abides not in the doctrine of Christ doesn't have God. Okay. Here's someone there who's going to tell you about Jesus and if they're outside the doctrine of Christ, 
They have no idea who Jesus is. They don't even have God. He said, He that bides the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If there come unto you one that brings not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him God's speed. He that bids him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So you can't even say, Oh, good God's speed, just keep on doing what you're doing. You can't do that. In order to comprehend the warning against false doctrine, we need to define the doctrine of Christ. What is the doctrine of Christ? So we're talking about doctrine. Jesus said, watch out for the doctrine of the Pharisees. That means, the word doctrine means teaching. The teaching, okay. So now we have to define what the doctrine is so we can stay within the boundaries of the doctrine. Stay within the doctrine of Jesus. And we understand that the doctrine of Jesus is, in fact, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the doctrine. That's the teaching. Nothing outside of that is, is the doctrine of Christ. Nothing outside. Just the doctrine of Christ. Just the gospel of Jesus Christ. John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus said, My doctrine isn't mine, but it's, it's Him, it's His that sent me. So He's saying, My doctrine is the doctrine of the Father. So now we have the, the source, which is the Father, to the Son, and now to us, and that doctrine, we understand, is the gospel. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17 further defines it for us. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein, he's talking about the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 15, he further defines it. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel that I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and then He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. Okay, that's the doctrine. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, If our gospel be hidden, it's hidden to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So if you get outside the boundaries of the gospel, you're outside the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And if you're outside the doctrine of Jesus Christ, you are in effect lost. Whoa. Wait a minute. I was in the doctrine of Christ. I heard the doctrine of Christ. I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I came in and I'm listening to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And here comes someone who's going to distort that. He's going to change that. Or she is going to change that. They're going to teach me something else. And in doing so, I'm going to lose my soul. Have to be careful. But they may have a lot of degrees. They may have gone to several colleges and gotten several degrees in college. They may, they may be very smart, very intellectual, and be very erudite, be able to speak plainly and clearly, and very convincingly. But they're outside the doctrine of Christ, and they're a danger. And that's what he's saying. Now, there's an identification of Jesus as the Christ and the description of his life, and it's only contained in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not going to find any description of Jesus outside 
the boundary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking anywhere else to believe in Jesus, you've gone to the wrong place. You're outside the doctrine. And somebody's deceived you. Now, 1 John chapter 2, at verse 18 through 24 says, Little children, it's the last time. And you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it's the last time. They went out from us. Okay, so you had the most, you had the people that were among you. He's saying they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have doubt, they would no doubt have have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were what they were not all of us. But you have an unction from the Holy Holy Spirit, and you know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and there is no lie that's of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He's an antichrist. So when you start hearing people talk about Jesus and describing him outside the boundaries of the gospel, you're getting the wrong picture. You're getting the wrong information. Now you. This happens a lot. This happens a lot. It's happened to a great big group of people called Mormons. They've been told stories about Jesus Christ that are not in the gospel. And they've been told by people that they have a lot of confidence in. They believe in Jesus Christ. Now then, here are these people that they have confidence in, and these people are telling them, wait a minute, we'll tell you something else about Jesus. And the Jehovah's Witnesses have done the same thing. I'm just mentioning these. And the Roman Catholics have done the same thing. They're saying that the Pope, he's the Christ. He's Christ, the embodiment of Christ. So you hear all these stories, and you hear them from people that you have great confidence in. Well, these these people wouldn't lie to us. How do I know? Well, John says, anybody that teaches other than what we've taught you is a liar. You, You can't trust them. In 1 John 4, verse 1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. Test them. Test them, whether they be of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, wherever you've heard that it should come, and now already it's in the world. That means... That as a believer is obligated to, to, to know Jesus, he's obligated to know what the Scriptures tell us about Jesus. The, 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 that's, that's the first area. So now then, if someone comes and tells me something about Jesus that I cannot read in the Scriptures, then I need to beware. I need to be on my guard. That's what Jesus said. Watch out! And that's what Paul said. Watch out! And that's what John said, beware, because we're in the most vulnerable position when we're talking to someone that we have confidence in that they are speaking for Jesus. That's the danger we've got. It's very easy to fall for the story. The next major area of concern is the teaching that was passed on by the apostles. Now, the apostles taught certain things after that they taught that Jesus was the Christ. They also taught things concerning our behavior, what we should do, what we should believe, how we should behave ourselves, and what what we should do in order to worship God. So in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, 
The writer of Hebrews said, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, never transgression and disobedience, received a just recompense and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So the body of doctrine that we have is that which is transmitted to us by the apostles and it's placed in a document that we call the New Testament. He intends for us to guide our lives by that which is contained in the gospel. So when we're asked to do something on behalf of Jesus or in order to worship God or to serve God, then we ought to be able to find that information in that body of doctrine that the apostles gave us. Not in a catechism, not in a confessional, but in the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can't find it there, don't do it. Don't believe it. Don't follow it. Don't let someone convince you that it's okay if we do this because, after all, look, look what other people have been doing. Look, we think this is okay. Well, Jesus didn't say, it's okay, you can take anybody's word for whatever they have to say. You can take their think-so's. You can take their opinions. No, Jesus, as a matter of fact, uh, one time they, they, they came to Jesus, Matthew chapter 15, criticizing the apostles because they weren't washing their hands before they ate. They said, you're, you're, you're transgressing the commandment of God. And he said, you are transgressing the commandment of God by your tradition. So it doesn't make any difference how long a person has been doing something wrong or it doesn't make any difference how many people have been doing something wrong if it's not in the scriptures, if it's not in the gospel, it's wrong. Regardless of who's doing it, or how long they've been doing it, or how many people have been doing it. If it's not in the gospel, it's wrong. It's some man's opinion. Some man's tradition. So, Jesus is saying, beware. And the apostles said, beware. The body of doctrine that God intends us to use to guide our lives is contained fully in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that you need. Nothing else you need. That little little volume we call the New Testament. There it is. Easy to see. Easy to understand. Easy to read. There it is. What does God want me to do to worship Him? Well, He wants you to sing. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What does He want you to do? He wants you to meet on the first day of the week and partake of the Lord's Supper. Remember me, Jesus said. Remember me. Paul said we remember Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we remember Him at the Lord's table. We remember Him. That's what He wants us to do. Somebody said, well, you know what He wants you to do? He wants you to light some candles. And you know what we say? Book, chapter, and verse. Where does God say He wants to be worshipped? By lighting candles. Where does He say that He wants to be worshipped? By having a festival. So forth. Anyway, you understand what I'm talking about. We trust people that are religious because we think they're good folks, good-hearted, and they may be. But good-hearted people can be misguided and can be off the track. Jesus said, John 17, 17, He said, Sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. So we go back to the word of God to find out what we should do and what Jesus wants us to do in our service to him. Ephesians 1.13, he said, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Jesus assured his followers that his truth would be bound up and made permanent, memorialized, so that we can always have access to it. We can always be able to resort back to the truth and see whether or not we are following the dictates of Jesus Christ and his doctrine. We'll always be able to do that. And it's not that tough. Not that hard. All you have to do is be able to read. If you can't read, find someone who can read to you. But read the gospel. Go to the gospel. Go to the pages of inspiration. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four thirty five, Heaven and earth shall pass away. My words will not pass away. So we always have it available for ourselves. Colossians 1, verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before? In the word of the truth of the gospel. So we are to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, but do not beware of the leaven of the truth of the Scriptures. Do not be afraid of the New Testament. Do not be afraid of the gospel of Christ. Do not be afraid of the pages of inspiration. Open the book, turn on the light, and read what God has for us. John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to those Jews that believed on Him, If you continue in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You shall know the truth. And that's what He's saying. We can know it. Now, there's lots of, lots of expressions we've already found so far. Let me read a couple of others for you. Paul got pretty firm about this business of watching out for false teachers. You think I'm hard on a false teacher? Listen to what Paul has to say. Philippians 3, verse 2, Beware of dogs. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision, those who have been cut off. That's what Paul thought of. Be careful. Watch out. Colossians 2.80 said, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophies and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Hebrews 2.13, the writer said, I will put my trust in Him. Okay. Enjoy your life as a child of God. Enjoy the blessings that God has showered down upon you. Enjoy the feeling you have, the good feeling you have, when you refresh yourself in the Word of God. Enjoy the, the sensation that comes over you when you know that you're doing the very best you can to follow Jesus Christ, and He has showered you with the blessings of peace and confidence and trust, and you just feel good about the fact that God loves you and you love Him and Jesus is there for you and will take care of you no matter what comes. Enjoy all of that. But beware of false teachers. Let's stand and sing our song of invitation.